Hi, this is Robert Hooks, and you are listening to TV Confidential, and keep doing it. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television that's pleased to welcome Mr. Robert Colbert. Of course, most of you know Bob for playing Doug Phillips on the Irwin Allen series, The Time Tunnel, as well as Stuart Brooks, one of the original characters on The Young and The Restless, while fans of the old Warner Brothers shows know Bob for his appearances on Cheyenne, Sugarfoot, Hawaiian Eye, Bourbon Street Beat, 77 Sunset Strip, and of course, Maverick. We recently ran into Bob a few weeks ago during his appearance at the Hollywood show here in Burbank, and he was kind enough to say yes when we invited him to join us on our program tonight. Uh, Bob, welcome to TV Confidential. Thank you, Ed. Uh, thanks for having me, and uh, hi to all the folks out there. I'm sitting here in Malibu watching the waves lap up to my uh, doorstep, and uh, it's a beautiful sunny day, so I hope everybody uh, back there in the East Coast that might be listening uh, came through that brutal storm okay. And Ed, it's real nice to be with you again. Well, it's, it's very nice uh, for you to spend some time with us. Bob, and, and again, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I have family and I have friends on the East Coast. I, uh, I'm, I'm sure you do as well. It's, it's one of those things where you just stop and you count your blessings. Well, I know. Living on uh, the Pacific Ocean, she's a beautiful lady, but, boy, she can uh, let you know how mighty she is at any given time. And I've been here on the beach in Malibu for a little around 50 years, so... I've had a lot of uh, opportunity to see her at her finest and uh, when she's angry. So <laughs> I know what it's like to have your house. I've had my house uh, flooded on maybe three occasions over those 50 years, and I finally built a big bulkhead out in front to uh, protect it against storms, and I knock on wood, but I've been successful with that uh, for the last 25 years. So. I'm uh, well aware of what people go through when uh, the elements hit, and I have all the empathy in the world for them, and I hope they're all safe and secure. So I have been there, done that. Yes, and our thoughts go to our listeners uh, on, on the East Coast as well. Bob, the listeners of, of our program know that uh, once upon a time I wrote a book on Maverick, which, of course, is how I first got to know you a little bit when I talked to you many, many years ago. What the listeners don't know is that, and, and I'm not sure whether you remember this, but I certainly remember this, uh, when you and I first talked about Maverick many years ago, you recited a poem to me called Endeavor that you, that, that you wrote when you were 25 years old. And um, I, I understand that uh, the verses of that poem convey ideas uh, that you have always tried to live by, don't they? Well, that's true. I, I came upon it uh, under uh, some strange circumstances. I'd just gotten out of the service, and uh, I was doing some commercials. I started into a little theater up in Portland when I got home, and I uh, had landed a couple of commercials. One was uh, for Arthur Murray Dance Studio, and the other one was for Tonkin Mercury uh, Ford dealer up there in, I think, Beaverton, Oregon, and uh, I had gone on to the studio, and I'm standing there, and I'm ready to do my lines, and uh, I got to this Tonkin Mercury one, and, and the fellow that was uh, 
the stage manager, before I was ready to go, why he stands off and points his finger at me. And then I was a little befuddled, and I looked up at him, and I started in. I go, Tonkin Mercury, bigger on the inside, bigger on the outside, wider safety vision, larger trunk space. And then... I went as blank as you can get, <laughs> and I'm just there. He says, that's okay, that's okay, don't worry about it. He said, it was just a rehearsal. Well, <clears throat> it might have been a rehearsal, but it, it threw me into kind of a tizzy. And uh, so when it came time to do the commercial, I went blank right in the same spot, and uh, they said, well, I don't think it'll be necessary for you to do the Arthur Murray. So I was kind of crestfallen, and if that, and that's putting it mildly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went home, and I remember I'd never written any poetry but uh, except on the wind. And then uh, I went home that day, and I sat down, and I was very, very pensive, and, and I wrote Endeavor. And I wrote it in about the time it takes uh, to recite it. But what was interesting about it is uh, a few months later, I was uh, doing some a play there called The Little Hut. Mm-hmm. It was a comedy, and there was a an actor here in Hollywood who was really doing well at the time. His name was Mickey Shaughnessy. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of you folks will remember him. Mm-hmm. He, was, he had just finished a... Uh, movie with Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. Love Me Tender, and he did uh, a thing, I believe, with Glenn Ford called Don't Go Near the Water and Designing Women. He was just moving from one film to another, mm-hmm. but he also did nightclub work, so he went up to Portland to sing at Amato Supper Club, and I was across the street at the uh, theater, and uh, during one of his breaks, he came over and saw a play, and he came backstage and said, listen, Bob, he said, uh, you know, if you ever get down to L.A., he says, or Beverly Hills, he said, I'd be willing to introduce you to my agent. Uh, he says, I think you might have a good shot at this business. Well, you know, I was on the next plane, mm-hmm. and I uh, show up in Beverly Hills, and I go into this uh, agency, the Lillian Small Agency, and they say, well, kid, you got uh, any film on you? Or I go, no, sir, I, I don't have anything like that. I have done some plays and some radio work. Well, uh, you haven't got anything we can look at, right? No film or anything. No, sir, I don't. Well, I said I could uh, just recite a poem that I wrote. I don't know where that came from, but... <laughs> They, they looked at me. You can imagine the excitement in yeah. the room when yeah. 12 people sitting around this big oval table looking up at me going, he can recite a poem. So uh, if you like, I'll recite it for you now to the best of my ability. Please Would do. you like to hear it again? Please do. I'll give it a shot. It goes, I must try to keep alive that precious hunger upon which I thrive. The ageless beauty and love of man, the thrill of life, that one brief span. Now I'll seek virtues proven through time. I'll learn to fall and I'll strive to climb and I'll take the good and I'll make it mine. For you see, my cup is filled with life, not wine. Now the cutting blows of innuendos when given birth to hurt the fold. They're unleashed through vile crescendos by a very hateful heart that's cold. So I shall not fight this evil weakness with the eye-for-eye cliché, no. I'll ignore its ugly venom, and I'll turn my thoughts another way. Now, if hypocrisy must grow, well, then you let it harm the ones who show. 
They need this weakling's crutch to fight the right they fear so much. Now, in expression, there is mood, so let it be my daily food, for in its realm I do confess, and I find my world of tenderness. It's a thing aside from wars and strife, like a new approach to the tired life. Now, the needing man might well decide to share those things he has inside. The master pen, when deft applied, it can resurrect a mood that's died. It can bring to life the printed page to withstand the test of age. But how to build a heart that's strong, to do what's right, or change a wrong. Now, these are things that I must find before I leave this life behind. And I must give vent this passion now. And I pray it does some good, somehow, perhaps, just one who shares my need will give me love or take my heed. And still, perchance, these things I feel are real unjust or just unreal. But as I live and as I breathe, I'll try my way before I leave. Well, I stood there. There was a silence in the room, and uh, one of the guys at the head of the table said, listen, uh, Robert, do you mind stepping out in the uh, lobby there for a few <laughs> minutes, and I'll, I'll be out shortly. Well, I go out, and I'm standing out there just uh, befuddled and confused and wondering what's going around and down and what's my future. <laughs> well, about 20 minutes later, the guy walks up. And he says, you know, Bobby says, we're going to give it a shot. We're going to take you on. And we'd like you to go over to uh, Paramount tomorrow morning. we got a small role for you in a film called Under Fire with Judy Tyler and Gregory Lafayette. I went, holy mackerel, mm -hmm. this is unbelievable. And so, sure enough, the next day I was suited up in an Army outfit, and I'm standing in the garden uh, box there starting my film career <laughs> so out of my botched commercial in portland i wrote that poem for whatever reason i'll never i'll never have an answer but uh a few weeks later it got me a job well and started my career two things bob one it doesn't surprise me that you were able to recite the poem word for word for us just now because i I had the transcript that you gave me uh, many, many years ago when we, when we first chatted. So it didn't surprise me that you delivered it word for word because it is a poem that obviously means, you know, you, you wouldn't have your career if it weren't for that poem. We wouldn't have all the many things you've done on film and television were it not for that poem. So it doesn't surprise me that you were able to deliver it as, as heartfully as you just did. Say again? So it must have been about, I think I wrote it in 56, <laughs> and this is 2012, so it was 56 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is there's the old adage that, you know, you work with what you got. You do it if you're a writer. You write the things that you know the best. If, if you're an actor, whether you ascribe to a certain method or whether, you know, uh, or however you approach a role, you always reach down deep for something that's within you to make something work. And you may not have had a reel at the time, but you had that poem, and you you basically you delivered a performance when you gave that poem that day. Uh, I suppose I did. I was as nervous as you could get, <laughs> a young kid standing there, uh, probably uh, knees knocking. I, 
I, it always stands out in my mind. I can still remember standing there. The rest of it's a bit of a blank. But uh, it got me, uh, it was the key that opened the door to uh, a career where I pretty much never stopped working. I, I managed to uh, be able to show up uh, for duty on many occasions over the next 50 years, and I had a wonderful time, and it was some of the best times in the world anyway, the 50s, it was a whole different era of freedom and honesty, you didn't lock your cars, you just, you could go anywhere, it was America at its finest, and they were recovering from the Second World War, and there was a lot of hope, and and I just, I lived those years with great gusto, and I have memories that will uh, be with me to my last breath. And uh, having spent those years in the field of acting has been, as you might imagine, it's just been a wonderful choice for me. I, I, I don't know which direction I would have gone in had I not had a shot at that, but it all came about pretty much by accident, some design, and uh, gosh, it's been a wonderful trip, and, and my memories are filled with uh, just loving to go to work, the people I met, the, even today, all the little perks that come with having some recognition. I can be in a restaurant, and somebody will say hi or tell the waiter, who is that? I, he looks familiar, and then pretty soon something happens, and it just gets a big smile across the room. I mean, it's it's like a, a love letter. You just feel the warmth and, uh, from strangers, and it's it's made my life just a, a really uh, happy, wonderful experience. And we're having a wonderful experience talking to Robert Colbert, star of The Time Tunnel, Maverick, The Young and the Restless, and a guest star in nearly 100 other television series. And Bob is spending some time with us. Uh, sharing some of his memories about his long career in film and television. You mentioned Mickey Shaughnessy, okay? Elvis Presley you know, said that Shaughnessy was one of the best actors that he ever worked with. And Elvis was, I mean, Elvis was not a bad actor himself. We don't think of him like that, but Elvis was not a bad actor. So I, I would imagine for you, Bob, being a young man starting his craft, to get that kind of praise from a star like Mickey Shaughnessy, that had to really be encouraging. Oh, for God's sakes, it came out of left field. Uh, I didn't even know uh, he was in the theater. I did know he was appearing across the street at the supper club mm -hmm. singing. And uh, But he was a dynamic guy. He was a kind man, and uh, he was a tough kid from uh, Chicago. Uh, I say kid, he was probably 45 <laughs> when I met him, but that seemed like a senior adult to me. And yeah. Mickey was just priceless in my life. I wasn't able to keep contact with him, and it was one of my great disappointments. He was always moving about the country and everything, but I owe him a great deal. He uh, changed the course of my life, and uh, to this day, I have nothing but fond, loving memories of uh, that great man, and, and I only wish he were here so I could give him a hug and thank him again. Well, maybe his spirit is emanating amongst the waves of the Pacific Ocean that are outside your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's out here somewhere. That guy, he had a lot of, a lot of power, a lot of force about yeah. him. And uh, 
That's why Elvis would say he was uh, one of the best he ever worked with because Mickey was good. He was good not only as an actor, but he had such a solid background, and boy, could he belt out some songs. Mm -hmm. And he was a real total entertainer and a total uh, human being. So hats off to to Mickey. You mentioned some of the comedies you did uh, when you were performing a theater in Portland in the 50s, early in your career, Bob. One of the early films you did... Uh, was with the Three Stooges, and that stands out for two reasons. One, you're working with the Stooges, and two, it is one of the few comedies you did as, as a film and TV actor. What memories do you have of working with the Three Stooges? Well, they, you know, if you see the film, we didn't really get to work together a lot. What my thing was that uh, it was my, well, I guess my about my third or fourth film. I think I'd done a couple of small things over at Allied Artists, Macabre and Joyride and some other uh, films, but this was uh, the first time that I, I did anything with people that were considered headliners, and of course, I was a fan of the Stooges uh, from years before, and this was kind of their comeback film where they brought in a new Curly because the previous one had passed away. So my thing was just I would sit around the set while they were working, even though I wasn't uh, in those scenes, and I did have scenes with them. I, I happened to have seen the movie again for the first time since I filmed it, and about two weeks ago I was down in Balboa, and I happened to someone had just given me a copy of it, and I had it in the car, and my host wanted to uh, see it, so I brought it in, and and uh, he put it on, and I was off doing something. I walk in the room, and I'm suddenly I'm sitting there watching it, and I'd forgotten uh, so much about it that uh, I, I had just a distant memory, and I got the biggest kick out of watching the show. <laughs> it did make me remember some of the times that I uh, got to just while I was sitting there watching them work, get to know them a little, and Larry... Fine became a, a good friend of mine because uh, we belonged to an, a group called the Hollywood Hackers. We were golfers for pleasure on weekends, and uh, we would go off and have our own little tournaments amongst people be in front of and behind the camera, and the cameraman and everyone involved would, would, could join. And so Larry and I played a lot of golf together, and... Uh, that's my main memory of the Stooges is sitting there on the set and watching them work and talking to them between shots and having lunch with them. But as far as doing scenes with them and looking at the film, it looks like about the only scenes I did with them were at the end of the film at the party and were dancing. And that was the only time I can remember that we were actually being filmed together and a few other scenes, but uh, it wasn't that I was with them a lot during the show, but I did get a big kick as a fan just working on it, I'll tell you that. And plus, as, as you say, you learned a lot just watching them do their thing. You learned a lot that you were able to develop in, in your own craft as an actor, having the opportunity to uh, watch old pros like them right before Yeah, they, their timing was impeccable, and... Uh, you did. You you got inspired by the fact that you could go beyond. You could ad lib. You could uh, 
feel free in front of the camera and with your fellow performers. There's no doubt about it that it was a learning experience. We're talking to actor Robert Colbert about his 50-year career in film and television, a career that began with the dramatic recital of a poem that Bob himself wrote in 1956. We'll continue our conversation after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.